Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 203. I am one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman. I am joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Greetings, y'all. Hey, okay, so this episode we're going to do something a little a little different. In episode 200, uh, which was uh, a kind of a fireside chat, a story time episode, kind of loose, uh, Brogan talked about some of her favorite uh uh, places to eat and maybe ask what we what we did for food and that got me thinking it was like okay we're gonna do an episode about food specifically sides that we <laughs> like to get at uh at places that we go to eat so we're gonna be talking about all about the sides that we get when we go out to dinner after events right i like to i like to go to buffets personally because you could just get whatever you want on demand yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of sides. Like, you, you, there's no point in a sandwich if you can't also have like some fries, right? And and right. you know, some sometimes you you've got like this this menu, this map of where all the sides are uh, that you have to you have to find them on. And uh, so so we are going to be talking about our favorite types of sides this episode. And by sides, I don't mean <laughs> corn on the cob or potatoes or coleslaw or edamame. I was going to say the seasonal vegetable, which happens to always be broccoli. Um, or, we're going to be squash. talking about, is it sometimes squash? It's generally squash here. Well, um, we're going to be talking about sides. And to help us talk about sides, we have a very special guest this evening. This this gentleman uh, is is uh, uh, a, no stranger to GPs. It is Eric Dustin Brown. Hello, Eric. Hi. Uh, segways are weird. Um <laughs> People? I'm not. I'm not here to talk about Grand Prix. Am I here to talk about cornbread? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, well do, yes. If you'd like, corn, would you prefer to talk about cornbread? I, I kind of always want to. talk I bet about we can cornbread. go deep on that. See, unfortunately, we told Eric that we were going to be talking about cornbread, and so he might not be prepared to actually talk I, about side. I of brought it. my yeah. grandmother's recipe and everything. Okay, you did. Does it involve a cast iron skillet? It does not. It's not. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's not real cornbread. It, it does you, have you, like way too much sour cream right, and butter just in it. Though. Stop. Stop the recording. We need right, to find I'll, another guest. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, hello. Uh, I'm Eric Dustin Brown. I'm a level three judge from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I work a lot of Grand Prix, primarily on the red side event stage this year. Um, I've been a magic judge on and off since 2004. Uh, I took a long break when I moved to Virginia. Uh, I'd stopped playing magic, picked it back up in 2010, worked like the first ever Star City Games Invitational, uh, where I recertified for L1, sort of. Uh, and then have been working sort of sort like, so you, you can't generate an L1 test for someone that's already an L1. Um, and I had lapsed in the time when I moved to Florida or from Florida to Virginia and was working pre-releases and stuff like that. And my certifi- certification had turned back on. Um, this was in the before time where that still happened. Um, and at the end of the, the event, time. At, at the end of the event, they went to print off my test and they couldn't and decided, oh. oh, well, okay, you're fine. Uh, did did that for about three years, L2 for about three years, and have been L3 almost two years to the day, actually. Awesome. And you're you're going so, back to the city in which you certified for level three this coming weekend, aren't you? Accurate. Yeah, I'll be in the same building on almost the same weekend where I where I paneled for L3. So real quick story. Uh, when I first met uh, Eric, uh, it was at a Grand Prix in Charlotte. Um, and... Uh, I was playing at this event. He was judging. I was playing and I was hanging out at the stage because I was actually waiting to talk to a judge and this judge was busy. 
So I was I was waiting for them because I didn't want to interrupt whatever they were busy doing because it was important for the event. But I knew they were going to be done in a minute, so I was waiting for them. And Eric sees me, has no idea who I am, and he asks if he can help me. And I, I look at him, and I realize that he and I have never worked together, so he doesn't recognize me by face. And so I say, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm interested in becoming a judge. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> oh, my God. And I was so happy to help. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I kept I kept him on the hook for a little while. And, and uh, you know, I, um, the conversation didn't go on very long, but I was trying to be at least a little bit obnoxious. And like, he was like, where are you from? And so I tried to find like an obscure area that like, I'm from this spot in the middle of nowhere in Alabama. And, and, uh, and he was like, oh, well, uh, let's go find the regional coordinator for that area and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, you, you, tap, you <laughs> tapped out pretty early. You could have led me. I you, did. You could have I really, really taken me for a ride if you wanted. So, in, including like, oh, well, why do you want to become a judge? It's like, oh, we'll see. People in my store don't really believe me when I tell them what the rules are. So I want to be a level one so that oh. they have to believe. Me. <laughs> oh, man, that <laughs> that's not it's not uh, it's not why you become a level one friend, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a really good answer. But it's it's if you're trolling uh, Eric, that is a wonderful a answer. answer. So how, how did I also want Judge Foils? <laughs> How, how did how did Eric do in assisting you in your journey to become a level one judge? Oh, it was great. I, like he said, I tapped out of that conversation pretty early. Uh, it was part. It was hard to hold a straight face, and part of the reason it was hard to hold a straight face is because the person that I was waiting for is, was uh, Justin Turner, who has been on the show before, and he and this in this time it turned around and come back to to where I was and heard this conversation, oh. and he was having a hard time keeping a straight <laughs> Amazing. face. So. So that encouraged me to to just be like, all right, I'm done now. Um, but I definitely could have oh, yeah. gone much you know, I was. That. It's like one of my great regrets <laughs> in life is not taking that conversation. Yeah, it's that's reasonable. I got very lucky. So, all right. So, so, so Eric. Oh, I was going to say, Eric, what are what you you hang out at the side event stage? And that's that's a big reason that we're having you on the show. Uh, is there anywhere else, anything else you do as a level three or as a judge in general? Uh, right now, uh, I am also a member of the player investigations committee, uh, and I am a member of the judge conduct committee. So I am ba- basically judge cop. Judge oh. cop. Oh. So, so we don't talk to cops. Uh, all right. Again, I will see myself out. <laughs> I'm going to go start making some cornbread. Doesn't have a cast iron skillet is judge cop. <laughs> this is going to be problematic. So, uh, we do kind of have to talk to you okay so so we got you on here to talk about sides why why you why do we pick you what do, what's your bona fides here uh the biggest reason being probably is that it's the coolest thing that you can do at a grand prix event uh and i prefer to do them over the main event these days and as a result i've done them a lot like we mentioned that i'm traveling this weekend to pittsburgh i'm leading on demands all three days in pittsburgh and i'm super excited like legitimately stoked because it's not a job i get to do very often uh and just i don't know man you go to a gp and you work side events and you make like 1500 new best friends for 10 minutes at a time and it's awesome so so what you're saying is is this is like you're in full stockholm syndrome mode because side side events are are, are a punishment i'm I'm convinced that judges that enjoy the main event have stockholm syndrome actually (laughs) um no, so I, a little, little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. Th- that's that's something. When I was when I was a young warthog, uh, when you were a young warthog, the, <laughs> um, 
I know I, I distinctly remember like the attitude shift that I had because I too felt the, oh man, side events. Ugh, I want to work the main event. That's cool and shiny and side events are lame. Um, I got moved from like the main event to like a two headed giant event or something. And I was super bummed out. Uh, and uh, one, one Eric Levine pulled me aside and gave me, this is the event where we met and gave me like this amazing pep talk about side events and people having fun and stuff like that. And just kind of changed my perspective on sides in general. Um, and I just super dug into it after that. Still don't like to hit a giant, but <laughs> side, side events in general, uh, they're just, they're super sweet. And I just have a much better time working them. Players are generally in a better mood, not always, but generally in a better mood. Um, but, and then also the things I enjoy doing at Grand Prix events, like the kind of logistical challenges and people management, I just get to do way more of that than I would on the main event. Now, when you say people management, you're not just talking about like staffs or judges when you're leading, right? You're also talking about like just getting players out there playing magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have just, you know, if you're doing on demands, you're dealing with eight customers effectively every 10 or 15 minutes and making sure that they're going to go off and have fun for a couple hours and then rinsing and repeating like over and over and over. And you're interfacing with them and you're interfacing with your team. And if you're in a leads position, a lead position, you're innovating with interfacing with three or four, sometimes five teams and other Mm -hmm. team leads and scorekeepers. And it's just, there's a lot more micro, like a lot, lots of micromanagement. I feel um, like the, the the main event is significantly more linear and whereas sides leadership has significantly more decision trees. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, main event is we're going to play this many rounds for this many rounds. Time will not have meaning. Um, (laughs) you know, this many rounds, 50 minutes at a time and all on the same goal. Like we're all, all following the beam. Um, the beam. Oh, you probably don't get that reference. Someone out there will. Um, it's fine. Uh, Whereas is that a Tron? Reference? Uh, it's a Stephen King reference, but we can go with Tron. I'm going to take a light cycle with an XGP. It's going to be great. What, what Stephen? What Stephen uh, King? Dark Tower series. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, you your your like flowchart of decisions and and how many like spinning plates and moving parts and other cliches you have. Uh, there's <laughs> there's just so many more things to keep an eye on on sides. And and time has meaning so on let, side events, which is also sweet. And look, I don't. Look, I want to. I, I don't want to like beat a dead horse here because I know we've kind of brought it up already. But like, you. One of the reasons you're on the show talking about this is because you enjoy side events, and there are a lot of people who go to a grand prix, spend the first grand prix, second grand prix, whatever. You get really sad, like you did in your story about going to side events and going and working on side events, and uh, and you seem to have a totally different perspective on it, even as a level three judge. And a lot of level threes kind of only work the main event. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm really glad that you have that perspective because I think it's the right perspective. I also like side events. Yeah. Side Um, events are great. And uh, so, yeah, like let's, let's dig into side events. And and one, one thing before, before we start getting into going deep on, on, on side events, side events are, increasingly becoming more important like they're getting they're they're growing larger and larger like uh there's there's more and more events like instead of you know one event starting at 11 maybe there's two or three events you know four events starting at once uh that that kind of thing it's it's 
playing into more of the convention yep. feel, mm-hmm. I guess, for uh, for GPs where you where they have a lot more smaller offerings of things. Mm-hmm. And it's really bringing people in. People are enjoying it. And a lot of people come to GPs uh, just for side events. So if you're looking at like the the GP numbers and you're like, oh, that's a that's a small GP because of the main event. That's not indicative of the total number of people that are at that event. Well, also, that's absolutely true. And 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 uh, what's interesting is you mentioned it sometimes being smaller GPs, and that occasionally happens. But overall, um, sides have managed to grow without cannibalizing the main event. In, in right. most in most GPs, you can look at GPs at the same time the previous year and go, "Oh, we're that's 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 about the same," you know. So, right. At least at least comparable. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Because most, like, of, most I, there there are going to be di- differences. You know, when you go to Oklahoma City versus you know, Miami, there's going to be population differences between those two events, but, uh, right. and I don't know that there were any comparable. I've just pulled those two cities out of thin air, but, uh, you, you see what I'm saying. And there's, uh, there's two very, I feel like the crowd, the people who are going to go to a GP to play in the side event, and the people who are going to go to the G to P, G, go to the GP to play in the main event are not necessarily the same people, but they may be friends and maybe traveling together. So if, if I wanted to go and play in side events, and Jess wanted to go and play in the main event. Like we could still mm-hmm. share this experience together in different. And there capacities. are even people. There are even people that go and don't play any events and only cosplay or only go to the artist booths and and get art. And and GPs are becoming more and more of a bit of a festival atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we so super embrace like the convention cool. feel of things, especially like the big double GPs. Like really, really feel just like a huge magic convention. So so let's talk uh, side events are typically broken up into two halves as or, or at least conceptually, maybe not in the floor plan, but there's uh, scheduled side events, you know, things that start at a particular time. And then there's what's called ODEs. Now, this is this is the buffet that Jess was talking about. So what it, what is an ODE? So an ODE uh, that's short mm. for on demand event. Uh, I've also heard less so, but fill in fire, I think it was something that was popular, like on the West coast that I picked up recently, but basically, uh, people are going to sign up for limited events or commander events at, at a GP, uh, eight people sign up, they hang out and then they're going to go play a, a little three round tournament. Um, they are sometimes Swiss, sometimes single elimination, uh, but they sit down, play a quick tournament, and then whoever wins gets some stuff. Prizing at GPs goes down to like top four now, and then they'll go play in more stuff. Um, these days, it's usually just like whatever the, the current set is for booster draft, plus like whatever masters or supplemental set, probably battle bond right now, um, and then commander events. Okay, so so how does this how does it work? Uh, so on on demand event, uh, eight random people get in line. They they pay their entry fee. They go over and wait in a particular like holding area. Well, I don't or, like the word oh, so holding if, area. Uh, what? No, <laughs> not very much. You know, it's 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 a it's a a modified Walmart. It's fine. Uh, wait, GPDC was a modified Walmart, but um, that's true. <laughs> but. So sometimes like if things are, are launching fast enough, you might just tell them, hey, hang out here We're, you're going to wait less than five minutes um, at Grand Prix events. We actually use like restaurant pagers. Um, so it's thanks for your money. Here's your buzzer. When it goes off, go find this flag, hang out at the flag. A judge will collect you and launch your event. So that way 
this this convention magic festival that we've talked about that the Grand Prix is, they can take the buzzer and they can just go wander around the hall and get cards signed mm-hmm. or get a soda or go trade or or go hang out elsewhere and then get buzzed so that they don't have to sit and wait to to play magic. They can just go do whatever. And and the the flag that you mentioned is like a twenty or twenty five foot tall banner. In case you haven't seen this, it's it might even be taller than that. It's it's pretty big. That sounds about right. Twenty twenty five. And uh, so, so it's not like a, oh, there's a little flag on a table over there. There's definitely a clear place for, for players to gather. Yeah. Th- these days it is a, a b- tall, bright red flag for on-demands. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk from, from a judge perspective. Okay. Uh, eight players have come up. They have paid all their dollars um, and we're ready to fire the event uh, or, or rather the, the scorekeeper turns the event uh, what happens? What are the mechanics from the judge perspective? So um, that depends on where you are. Uh, technology and like brackets and paper and things like that will differ from TO to TO. But at the core of it is you're going to have a bracket of your event. Your bracket will also have seating um, for your draft. You'll take your eight players, figure out where they need to be based on your map, um, put them down someplace where they're they're supposed to play, which Grand Prix events, we have a whole section in, uh, of pods ready to go for on-demand, so space is usually not an issue. And then sit them down so that they're paired across, like farthest across the table like you would for a normal normal draft. Then the biggest thing there is like make sure that everyone there knows what they signed up for and they all know how to draft. Because um, while it might be your 10th, 20th, 30th GP, someone in this event, it could be their first. It, it could be their first draft and just making sure here's how this works. Here's, you know, what you need to do when you finish your match, call for a judge, report your result, where are the land stations like and just making sure that you have set these eight people up to to run to have this little tournament. Like if, if you if you have run an FNM in an LGS or if you've run a pre-release an on-demand event is like running like an eight-person FNM or pre-release, just going through, making sure you touch the ba- the basics. I do want to touch on one thing you mentioned and 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 explain it a little bit more because some people don't know that there is a proper seating for draft. Mm. So I want to talk about what that is for a second. Um, basically, when you seat eight people for a draft, they're they're never seated at a circular table. But if if you pretend that they were for a moment, the player in seat one will be seated across the table from the player in seat five. The, 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 there will be three people on either side between them. And those two people are considered furthest from each other in the draft, and they will play each other in round one. And the same is true yep. for any you know, every, everybody else that's further away in that circle, if it were a circle. And if it's not a circle, it's still the same for seat numbers. You just pretend it's a circle when you're setting up those pairings. And a lot of times those pairings will already be set up when you start the draft, and you'll have a list and you just need to seat them in the correct seats based on that. This sounds really weird, but I had literally never considered mentally picturing a circle in that circumstance. Oh, had you always, you'd always just on big X, little X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never, yeah. I have never once so, thought circle, but that makes so perfect, what, perfect sense. When, when you say, uh, uh, the, the other phrase, big, big X, little X is when you are dealing with a rectangle. So you're dealing with players sitting at a table and you will have one, two, three, four, and then across the table from four, you'll have five, six, seven, eight. So mm-hmm. that eight will be person eight will be across from person one. 
the people that play each other is if you take that picture, one, two, three, four, and then coming back five, six, seven, eight, if you make a big X where you connect one and five, uh, four and eight, you've just made a big X. And then you crisscross in the middle, you make a little X. Mm-hmm. And that that description works really well on paper when you literally draw it out. But I think yep. in, in a ver- entirely verbal description that it, I, it's, it's a little complex. I almost always just say, say, uh, uh, count three to your left or, or what is, yeah. Count four to your left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Count, count the correct number I've, and point to the person you uh, think I, you're going to be my, playing against right. round one. I've, I've done that. I've done the, the point, point to the person you're going to be playing round one and they point and I, you know, thumbs up. Okay, we got yeah, it. Yeah, I, I give the yeah. glare menacingly at your first round opponent. Yep. And then make sure that everyone <laughs> yes. is like, everyone has acknowledged who their first round opponent is. Yep. And so it it means that also that like your draft is being run correctly and then rounds two and three will go fine. Um, but also that means that they now know everything that they need to do if you've shown them where the basic lands are. Once you walk away, they don't need, they should not need to call you again unless they have a question or until they have a result for you. And then what my, my and local they do have a result. Oh, sorry. Go on. Uh, I was going to say my local game store uh, has uh, all of their regular, you know, rectangular shaped tables. And then they have one round table <laughs> that is the drafting table. And they, they launch drafts on demand on Friday night. So every time they have eight players sign up, they'll seat them at the drafting table oh and have gosh. them draft. And as soon as they're done drafting, they go to other tables to build because as soon as there are eight more people signed up, they will start another draft <laughs> at the drafting table. That's cute. It's a nifty idea. So when, when the players have a result, uh, where do they go? Do they come back up? Do they do they keep the bracket at the table? Do they go back up to the to the judge area? The way, what do they? How do they find out who they? The play way we've been to? doing it at Grand Prix events is we actually have some software that was developed and is used to track on demands. So any judge working in the on demand area is either going to be on this web app with their phone or with a tablet. And what it allows us to do is that player we can just instruct players to raise their hand and call for a judge and literally. Any judge in the side event area or by extension, any judge on the event can walk up to you, take your call, take your result and tell you who your next round opponent is. Or basically give you any information about the event. Yeah, like it can tell you base anything that you need to know about that draft just by pulling it up. Um, but the we've set up the experience such that we want to minimize how much work the players have to do to play magic because they're our customers. Right. And we want them to have a good time. And it's like, cool. I, I won round one. I'm totally ready to play round two. What do I do now? And like wander around and go find a judge or go up and report your results somewhere. Like it's just been a much better experience just to be able to like raise your hand and, and call for a judge and anyone can help you out. So, so when you say anyone can help you out, so so clearly this stuff has to be entered into enter into the computer. So you have to know that you know uh, draft thirteen is at this particular location, mm-hmm. right on on the floor. So there's there's a there's a map, as it were, of all the events. Uh, yeah, uh, when we're using the software, the software does come with a map as well. We've uh, we've abandoned the you- the nine pocket pages with full of magic cards. The <laughs> uh, the the software they use at GPs. Uh, I believe it also gives you the option to search. They for can the search by name. Yeah. Yeah. So if the, so if a player comes up to you and they're no longer anywhere near their seat, they have no idea what draft pod they were in. And all they know is their name. Oh. You can still. Find oh yeah. No, it's, Hey, I won. Like, cool. Yeah. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> what were yeah. you playing in? Uh, like, congratulations. But what now? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. So now to be fair, not every side of it is run at a GP. Um, so sometimes it will be a matter of there's a specific judge that needs to be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there are more than, if there's more than one judge running events, uh, they'll, they'll be marked in some way. Yeah. It's star city uh, is know, usually, it opens, they usually have a, yeah, the yeah. clipboard guy or the, or, or girl, like the person want the human wandering around the clipboard. That's, that's who you need to report your results to, or hopefully someone in the area can point you towards the person with like the bright red clipboard. Uh, additionally, mm-hmm. that is only applicable for on-demand events. You will, um, depending on if it is a scheduled event, you're almost certainly going to still end up with your typical match slip, take it to a place situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love those kind of events. Those are, those are my favorite. <laughs> the kind with match slips. So, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. I, you know, it started off as, as a serious statement and then went through a stage of sarcasm and then it came back to serious. Like I do like them, <laughs> but also they have some problems. Um, <laughs> so, so let me ask before before we get on to the the scheduled sides that that with the slips and have problems. Uh, how many drafts are considered a lot, or how many ODEs are considered? Uh, um, in a day, like a lot is no for a fortnight. A, for, a, fortnight. a fortnight. I, I, fortnight. I don't, need a fortnight. A fortnight. Brian, I, I don't. I don't know I how long a fortnight you know. is for one. Um, <laughs> it's two weeks. First of all, it's two weeks. It's two weeks. Uh, I know this because our ours is a fortnightly podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a when does the battle royale guess. come out it is a fortnightly podcast. yeah when do uh, we have get judge cast battle royale that's a good question oh my god uh i've run the numbers i just wanted you to know that in order for eric to make the 1500 friends he mentioned 10 minutes at a time uh earlier assuming that he does eight of them at once it means he's making friends for 31 hours straight at a grand prix that, that sounds about out. right <laughs> that's three days right yeah yeah that's well it's 30 31 and a quarter 31 hours and 15 minutes uh without doing anything else just making friends 10 minutes at a time sounds great i don't see the problem Je- jess i, <laughs> I really like eat. that you spent that whole time doing the math on that no i didn't spend the whole time doing the math i was just waiting for the appropriate moment to <laughs> so he, he did this math like, like five minutes he, ago and he's just ready yes brogan do you remember the unset episode game yes. that we were playing? Is there any is there any doubt that Jess would do that calculation? <laughs> so for, given given how that game Brian's went down, what saying is uh, when I did that game show, I was playing that kind of kind of fast and loose with the scoring, and uh, Jess Jess went back through and tallied all of the points <laughs> that I mentally gave or that I actually said out loud oh. uh, relative to the number that I mentally wrote. It down on my own sheet. I tallied it the first time. I just went through it to make sure I was right. <laughs> well, 50, 50 points to Ravenclaw. He is, I was just going to say nothing about Jess doing the math on that surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so how how many drafts is considered a lot, guys? Uh, or I, ODEs, rather. See, these days, a lot, of OD, a lot of ODEs is probably... 40 or 50 in a day that's that's probably closer to average like i said i haven't i haven't actually worked on demands in a couple months i've been doing mostly scheduled events so like my, my sense of scale might be a little bit off so so that's that's one approximately just 50, 50 ods a day how many how many an hour is that <laughs> well that depends how many hours your day is how long is the gp open you know all and, of so, it. and that that could be that could be a yeah. bigger day too like I, I would, I'm curious to. I might change my answer after this weekend in Pittsburgh. We'll see. 
So, so, so launching 50 drafts. Okay. And we said that this was just half. Oh, so something I have not done that I wanted to ask about Turbo Town. Oh, what is, what is that? So Turbo Town, uh, I, th- I think I'm actually, I'm excited to talk about this because I was one of the first like people to help run Turbo Town at Grand Prix Jersey at the end of last year. Um, so it's a Pixar movie, right? Yes. Um, okay. So <laughs> You and and the cranky old man and like your plucky anthropomorphic dog. Anyway, um, TurboTown basically constructed on demands were awkward and unpopular because someone would sign up for a constructed on demand event, and unless it was like standard or these days modern, like you would just sit around and wait and wait and wait, and maybe eventually your your event would fire, but likely you're just taking a refund. Um, what they've done with TurboTown instead is that. It gives you way more options. It's you pay five bucks, you play in a single match of magic of literally whatever format you and the person across from you agree to play. Like we we have sections set up for standard and modern and legacy and, and now brawl with that becoming popular. But like you can also roll in and play like popper or like rainbow stairwell or Canadian Highlander or whatever. If you've got you and a friend that want to sit down and jam f- vintage you can do did that. Did you just you make just... up Rainbow Stairwell? I did not. I'm, I'm wondering what no, Rainbow that's... Stairwell is. Yeah. I, oh, uh, that, there's there's episode 204. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Rain, Rainbow Sto- uh, Dark Pat or Contract from Below is legal in Rainbow Stairwell, isn't it? I have no idea. <laughs> I just knew it was a format. I've never played it. What is Rainbow oh, Stairwell? Uh, so, ra- Rainbow Rainbow Stairwell is. Uh, I'm gonna have to. It is. I believe it's. You have to play. It's a 250 card deck. Uh, I think it's something like you have to play all five colors. Uh, twenty cards have you have to have at least twenty cards from each color in it. So you have to have at least twenty black, twenty red, um, and so it's just 250 card deck. All five colors. Anti cards are legal. This sounds um, awful. I'm say the the wiki page I found. Yeah, it, that's about right. It's the one I'm reading is like a 60 card deck, but yeah, it's it's a singleton format uh, using no mon- multicolored cards, only monocolor cards. Uh, okay, that's yeah. Th- I imagine that there are multiple weird variations of this. Yeah, right. Oh, this article says it's the so, best format we're not playing. That's gotta get. Is this a BuzzFeed uh, article? Did BuzzFeed catch I, on? I played it. I I played it a few times. It was awful. Uh, don't ever. Don't don't yeah no don't, don't Turbo Town no uh, but yeah but so Turbo Town for me as a judge um I play Legacy and like I don't play other constructed formats really and so if I'm working a PM shift and I show up on site a couple hours early I can like roll in pay five bucks go find someone that wants to play Legacy and hang it out in Turbo Town play a match of Magic win some tickets so, and then like then go work my shift and then instead of waiting so for an on demand let me ask the the logistics of that so you pay five dollars. And then you just go into TurboTown and find somebody. More or less. So we play. we have a section of on-demands that is specifically labeled for TurboTown, um, marking off different formats. So you get a voucher when you spend your five bucks, and you take your voucher over and you find a judge or sit down across from someone in the appropriate area, call a judge over, you exchange your vouchers with said judge for some prize tickets, and then battle for the prize tickets. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we have like a, a whole... Okay. TurboTown actually has like... A town, like, so to speak. Okay, cool. All right, so so that's that is ODEs in a in a nutshell, right? Is there is there anything else uh, we want to talk about ODEs before we leave that? 
I didn't know we could fit on demand events into a nutshell. I would I'd be hosting all of my drafts there. <laughs> Sorry if that was you No, know, that's great. Oh boy. That's great. I kinda I kinda want to get like a big like walnut thing that I can carry a box of magic cards in so that I can you know launch a draft and go, hey guys, this is your draft in a nutshell. Yeah. I, I bet you could make that out of foam real easy. Actually, yeah, I could. That'd be in. In. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad we've created this this evil this evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode 205. Yeah. <laughs> We're just planning all future episodes. So, them up. so, so generally, before before we leave ODEs, let's talk about into, into ODEs. Normally, you shut you start shutting down ODE signups around what time? Different times on Saturday and Sunday. I think usually what, what, usually about seven o'clock if it's not Sunday. Yeah. Sunday sometimes it's as early as four. Why do you shut them down? So why do you shut down ODE so early? Seven o'clock. Oh, come on. Because uh, I want to go home. Um, yeah. Well, because they, a draft is a even a draft that's going to a fast draft is still going to take an hour and a half, two hours. And like be, because of the nature of things and like the kind of laid back convention atmosphere, sometimes people sometimes people wander away from their on demand events. And, you know, sometimes we can page them and get them back over there. But sometimes you end up having someone waiting around and it's unfortunate. But we want to make sure that there's enough time for them to launch their event such that the PM crew actually still gets to go, you know, have dinner so, and go to bed. So you figure out what time you want the last event to end and then you kind of work backwards and that's when you when you do cut off. Yep. And usually that oh. that cutoff usually lines up with when the last scheduled event will end so that everyone gets okay. to leave at about the same time. Cool, cool. So you you mentioned uh, players that go wandering off. Let's say you're getting ready to fire, uh, or sorry, you're getting ready to launch an on-demand event. You buzzer pagers have all gone off. People have come in, they've dropped off their pagers, and you have seven players. Well, and you kind of hang around and you wait. Give it, and that eighth one doesn't show up. What do judge? So it it depends. if the event's very, very busy and there's a lot of people waiting and there's a lot of announcements happening, you could just grab the next person in queue. Uh, but usually we want to try to get that player who paid to be in that event there. So we'll take a quick roll call at the gathering point flag with your with your bracket. Find out who you're missing. Go have that person paged to the gathering point, you know, because sometimes their buzzer's in their pocket and they didn't notice or maybe they're out of range or they're, they're just not paying attention. And we sometimes we just need to page them give them a couple minutes to come over and join the event then we can go get them sat down and going yeah it's all it's almost never going to jump immediately into eh we'll just get the next person and also if you are if you're the floor judge in that scenario that's not your call to make um don't just say oh we'll grab the next person talk talk to your team lead figure out a strategy yeah yeah the 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 scorekeeper has probably already started filling filling up the next uh, the next bracket also or the next the next ODE. Mm-hmm. So just grabbing the next person, there's there's documentation and paperwork that that is involved in yep. doing that. Yeah. So I guess when I use grabbing the next person pretty loosely, you know, notifying your team lead slash the customer service lead slash the scorekeeper and telling them that you're missing this human and you've made a, an effort to get them to join this draft that's now ready for them. Uh, and then at that point, you the people in those positions can move people around and get you your eighth player. All right. So so we've, we've talked about ODEs. Uh, the, the other half are scheduled sides. Uh, so at, at GPs, what are some of the more common schedule and uncommon scheduled sides that we might find? 
Uh, so the most common you're going to run into, uh, we there's like basically a rotating schedule of three round Swiss events um, that prize out based on record. Uh, you're always going to have modern, and modern's basically always going to be your biggest events. Um, like we touched earlier on side events being very large. Uh, to give you an idea, I had judged an open uh, a couple weeks ago. The modern challenge that launched launched half an hour before my open was bigger than my open. Uh, so modern's super popular. Those challenges are usually very large. But then also standard, legacy, and sealed. You're almost always going to see two-headed giant. Um, Brawl is becoming a mainstay and there's usually some kind of commander event, but we're also starting to see there's always like a chaos draft and that changes up from week to week depending on what packs are available. But we've started to see like battle bond events and we've seen events with unstable events and we've seen Grand Prix with uh, like spell slinging and different kinds of things on the schedule. So so you said there's 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 a rotating schedule. So like of modern legacy sealed. So like at 11 o'clock there's a modern and then at 12 o'clock there's a, a limited or a sealed and a standard event or something like that. Uh, yeah, basically usually even a little faster at that at grand prix we're, we're launching about every half hour sometimes, sometimes every 15 okay. minutes at the bigger events. Wow. Every 15 minutes, right? Okay. So what, what are the kind of things that, so launching events every 15 minutes, that's, that's a pretty tight timeline. Yep. So what, what are the things that judges need to do between 12 uh, event just, you know, event just started modern event just started and I've got another event starting in half an hour. What are the things that need to be done in that half hour to prep for the next event? So basically it's making, you know, who's your head judge? Who's your scorekeeper? Where are we going to put the event? How large is the event? That's going to affect where we're going to put it. Are there handouts for this event? You know, sometimes there are playmats or vouchers or promos and stuff like that. You need to figure those out and get those passed out. Um, then secure a pairings board. And once registration's closed, you know, do the thing. Get your pairings, put them up on the board, move the gathering point flag over to your event, get your players announced and sat down and then go. I, I want to say two things about that real quick. First, about half those things don't apply to... Uh, you know, if you're running an event in your store, you don't need to worry about where the gathering point banner is, for example, uh, if you, or, or if you're running some other side of it, uh, you may not need to worry about that. But also, um, if you're at a Grand Prix, you don't need to panic about all of these stuff, all this stuff, because often at a Grand Prix, there's a whole team whose job it is to make sure this stuff is happening. Yeah, there, there is a kickstart team and they are they are the best. Um, <laughs> the the kickstart team is a group of like three or four judges. And basically they, they take your head judge for, for your event. Like, or if you're the head judge for that event, they grab you and they loop you into getting the event started. Their job is to make sure that you have everything you need between, you know, preparing for your event and starting your event. And then they pass the event over to you and then you run, then you run your event. They're so there to help you get this thing going. It's one of my so favorite they, jobs they, at a grand prix. Yeah. Right. So they find your starting table number. They, they basically, you know, here's here's where your event's going to be, right? Yep. Uh, they tell you which banner that you're going to use, what pairings board you're going to be using. Uh, you, you, you probably as head judge have a little bit of input into this, like if, if something's going drastically wrong. But for the most part, the Kickstarter starter team has kind of got this down to a down to a science. Yeah, they, they um, if they're doing their job right, the head judge should be involved in this process. It's not like they just don't have anything to do, but uh, 
but more often than not, the, the Kickstarter team has a pretty good idea of, of what all these answers are going to be before the head judge even gets involved. Mm-hmm. You're just nodding your head. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I, <laughs> let's do that. Well, let's do that. Because realistically, because we mentioned we're launching events every hour, half hour, 15 minutes, the Kickstart team really needs to be thinking two or three hours ahead, like right. all the time when they're launching events. So they know where this stuff's going to go because they need to know where this stuff's going to go. So they know where the next thing's going. You, you, one person as a floor judge who is not on that team is not going to have the additional context to necessarily be able to make the, the, the informed decision of, well, I can put this event here, but they're thinking, but you as the head judge of that event are only focusing on that event and instead of the, the scale of the whole thing. And well, I'm starting this here, but I need to going to need to have room for, I don't know, maybe 150 people in an hour. And where can I Tetris this in? Right. Um, so having one sort of team making those decisions rather than a bunch of individual head judges who only have their event in mind, making figuring that out is, is significantly easier. Also, like, um, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say like, if you've got two events that are starting at the exact same time, then you you kind of have compete, competing priorities there is you want to get starting table numbers as soon as possible, but you also want to have those events potentially as close as possible to save to save room for other events that are coming on. Yep. And it kind of sets up a, a dependency. So you have to figure out what you're prioritizing, what you need to prioritize more. Can you spread things out a little bit or do you need to jam jam things in and Players come in and register late and those can change, you know, those can change your plans. Yep. Uh, so so man- managing the map and, and as Brogan was saying, playing Tetris is a huge part uh, of, of the Kickstarter team. You, and you definitely at the beginning of the event, you don't want to be too loose with like, oh, I'm going to spread things out because I've got all this room. <laughs> and then you have and then you have a, a uh, an 80 team two headed giant event. And suddenly you're like, oh crap i don't got anywhere to put them we've yeah we've been pretty fortunate where where grand prix halls have been accommodating uh the growing number of side events sometimes sometimes not sometimes things are very popular uh like speaking of the tetris thing i definitely ran into at grand prix seattle earlier this year we launched like a something like an 80 team 2hg followed by like a 200 something person modern and then i was like all right i've got space for this next legacy tournament in 15 minutes i've got room for 144 here i've got room for 225 over here in this part of the room and then i've got room for 280 in this part of the room and then obviously it's 307 it's like okay now what um but being able to like play doing it more conservatively at the start of the day and moving your events closer together gives you a lot more wiggle room towards the end of the day because the other thing that's happening since we are on a rotating schedule of these challenge events is that at some point your first couple challenges are going to start ending and they're usually your big ones for the day and then you free up a lot of space in the early afternoon you can come back and start using that space again just a huge huge amount of body management and and you are taking on risk when you when you assign when you assign uh, events in certain locations and if if you if you are a judge on this team you are just generally working on in Swiss events in general. Um, and you're not assigned to be head judging an event at that time. You're just floating. That's that, that is your job. You're, you're floating and you're making yourself available to your team lead or other judges, um, making sure that you 
keep yourself flexible in that way is basically the most valuable thing you can do. So, so like if you're, if you're a head judge of an event, but your event doesn't start at one and your shift starts at 11, well, from 11 to 1230, you might be relieving somebody for breaks. You might be over at ODE. You might be helping turn around in a modern event and then immediately turning around in a legacy event. You might be gra- helping grab product and carrying it out to a place or renumbering tables for a two-headed giant event. So so this is one of the things that uh, side events are incredibly dynamic and extremely exciting in terms of putting a whole bunch of different skills to test. You're, you're not just, you know, giving your fifth looking at extra card warning mm-hmm. for the day. You're, you're doing something different constantly. Yeah, that's part of what I love about it. Eric, as someone who leads these teams, what is the the most what are the most thing, useful things you look for in someone on your team? Like what what makes you say, "Man, this person is the person I want to help me run side events forever." Uh, as a general rule, if I can tell that a judge like cares, like if, if I can tell that a judge like they don't even necessarily need to be passionate about side events. If you can be ready to help people and be flexible. Uh, cause like you mentioned, like they're super dynamic, like my standing orders for, for a floor judge when I'm a scheduled sides lead is watch magic, help players. Like the default is try to make someone's day better. Um, and if someone else asks you to do a thing, do that thing for them. Um, so just a willingness to kind of get stretch Armstrong a little bit and just kind of pulled in a few different directions and, you know, snap back and be ready to do it again. That's a good, good analogy. I, Do they still make Stretch Armstrong? I was actually about to say, I'm not sure how many members of the audience are going to actually know what Stretch Armstrong is. You know, I make I make 80s movie references and we'll get tweets and stuff like that where people are like, I got that. So, I mean, I'm, there there is a crowd here that that knows who Stretch Armstrong is. There's probably some people that know what a Teddy Ruxpin cool. is. So I should go deeper and start like making like weird Twin Peaks references and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely with, with the Twin Peaks references. Um, uh, how does your, how do you, does your break or a judge's break work when you're working side events? Is that, is oh, that time-based? So, oh yeah, they're, they're time-based and it's wonderful. Like remember how I said earlier, like on the main event, time doesn't matter because it's, well, there's all these rounds and like we've started to switch over to time-based breaks there, but like t- time matters on side events, which is great. It's this 10 a.m. event, this 12 a.m., this 12 a.m., 12 noon event, et cetera, et cetera. So you can you know exactly when stuff's going to happen. So you can schedule breaks for your teams at times. You're not going to have like a huge pressure point of activity. Um, so usually it's, Hey, go take an hour at 1230. And then when you come back at one go relieve this person so they can take an hour. Um, so yeah, typically, usually it's like a static time. Sometimes you're a bit more flexible where if it's like someone's got the first event of the day and be like, Hey, just take a break when your events over. Um, usually have some wiggle room. Uh, is there is there anything else on uh, on scheduled sides? I, I mean, there there probably is. Nothing is immediately coming to mind for me, for me. There's so much to do, and like you're there's so many things to tell the players. Like as well, it's if you're head judging an event in a Grand Prix, it's very similar to like launching the on demand of just you know someone in their in your event. It's probably the first time they've ever been to a Grand Prix. Probably the first time they've ever played in a challenge. So it's you know letting them know how to like like starting like 
starting FNM, how do you call for a judge? Where do you take your results slip when you're done with your match? Like if you're playing limited, where are your basic lands? Where do I go get prize tickets? And just making sure that you're arming your event with all the information that they need so that they can just focus on playing magic. So what are, what are some common problems that might ar- uh, arise leading side? Uh, common problems? So the yeah. probably most common thing that you will hear leading sides is this player is not registered for this event. It happens. It's probably the most common thing. Um, <laughs> it's also like one of the easiest things to fix in that let's take you to the scorekeeper and get you plugged back into the event. Um, some, sometimes you sometimes you run out of space. It doesn't happen too often, but a couple times this year we've we've really pushed it. Um, the uh, you can ask Jess sometime about Cleveland last year if you want to talk about running out of space. Um, luckily these days it's not a common problem. Um, since you brought up GB Cleveland, I'm just I just want to quick call out to too many names to mention in a brief period of time, but everybody who was on staff at that event and on my team and on Eric's team, thank you for the awesome job you did keeping us afloat because we couldn't have done it without all the awesome judges that were out no, there. Ev- everyone was, yeah, everyone went above and beyond on that Saturday. It was amazing. <laughs> like I said, there are too many people to name, but if you are on that team, you know who you are. And I just want to say thank you. Did a good job. Not to say that anybody <laughs> who worked anywhere else didn't do a good job, but I can specifically speak to, to that event since you brought it up. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say is like you can be the greatest sides lead in the world, um, but you it, it like there are so many judges doing so many things that that you need you need the people on your staff to put in the work as well. And if you are the floor judge in this scenario, your you matter yeah. and your work matters and if and in general i think the work of the average floor judge on side events is almost is almost certainly more impactful than the average floor judge on the main event yeah i find that likely just purely in terms of the different num- number of different things that you're doing throughout the day like Exactly. If you're on paper team on the main event, you're going to post paper for nine rounds. But like if you're head judging an event, you're effectively like the paper and the slips and the floor team and the head judge. And then you're going to do something else in 20 minutes as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there is there are there any other big, big messages you wanted to to share with us or the audience about side events as a whole? Uh, I mean, we 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 hit the big one pretty early in that like side events aren't a punishment side events aren't a place where we send bad judges. Like it ends up being like a training grounds for a lot of newer judges because we operate at the superior rules enforcement level. Uh, And I I do mean regular regular. Um, So what are are the busy, uh, the, the, the spikes in, in, is it, is it after lunch? Is that, uh, so, because the because time at the main event doesn't really matter. It ends up being around after lunch just because that's when three rounds usually have elapsed from the main event. And that's when people start dropping. Um, it also depends on the day. Like on Friday, you're going to have like a quick surge of everyone that gets in right when the door opens. But then you pick up, you know, a little later in the afternoon, two, three, four ish when people have like played in their last chance trials. And now they wanted to play in something else of the same format or people have, you know, they got off work and now they've made it down to the Grand Prix and they start registering. T- your pressure point, like if I had to pick a time on any given day, like like 1 p.m. would be like consistently just one of the busiest times. 
just because that that's when every everyone's dropping from the main event and you're starting to getting to that point where you're cycling back around in your schedule. That makes sense. Did anybody have any burning questions they wanted to ask Eric that we haven't already talked about? Nope. Uh, Eric, did you have anything that you wanted? To, I'm sorry, Brogan, you were going to say something? I was going to ask Eric what his favorite side was. <laughs> All right. I already mentioned cornbread. Are you sure it's not no. mashed potatoes? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I figured you out. Heck. <laughs> I mashed would like potatoes both. and cornbread. Yeah, I was I was going to make a joke earlier about getting into the meat and potatoes of you know side events, and then I realized it's just the potatoes. Yeah, which is uh, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, and then Eric, did you have anything you wanted to add that that we haven't talked about? No, I can't. I can't really think of anything. Um, I can just say like I hope that I'm I'm still I've been judging for feels like forever sometimes, and I don't get tired of side events, and I don't get tired of doing them at a GP, and I just can hope that if anyone wants to get in touch with me or talk to me at a GP about sides or, or anything, like I'd love to get more people excited about side events and just, we've been working against this stigma that side events are a punishment or a banishment or whatever for literally as long as I've been an events judge. So that's, that's eight going on eight years now. And I would, I just want to emphasize that, you know, side events are awesome. Like you can be a level three judge and just want to do side events. And like, that's okay. Um, and I just really want to like finish out that like culture shift, you know, to where like side events are sweet and it's okay to do them because they're important. If somebody wanted to get in contact with you, uh, what, what methods do you use to contact people? Uh, I have a seldom updated Twitter. That's just at Eric Dustin Brown, but I still get notifications from that, so that's a good way to get a hold of me. Uh, Facebook is also fine, or email uh, through Judge Apps. Okay, and you can do that if you're not too familiar with Judge Apps. You can do that by the the send a message function, I believe it is on Judge Apps. I believe that's right. Or is it okay? Uh, and cool. The I actually should have a Mid Atlantic Judges email address that should still redirect if people want to get a hold of me. It's just edb at midatlanticjudges.com. Oh yeah, we have those. The letters EDB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just my initials at Mid Atlantic Judges. Um, I didn't even know that was a website. That's awesome. Yeah, we've had that for a couple years. All right. Um, that's cool. I need to get yeah, one of those. You need to get yourself another website. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have enough. I have I have com still. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that right now. It just redirects yes. to the appeals dance. Perfect. Uh, what <laughs> you can hear you can hear Eric seriously mashing his keyboard. What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. So uh at some point at some point that'll get changed. I don't know what to. Um all right, so uh I just want to thank everybody for listening to episode two hundred and three. Uh I hope you join us again next week, which or next week, sorry, two weeks from now, which should be the uh the Magic twenty nineteen corset release notes episode if they release that on time. Uh and uh, if you would like to listen to more JudgeCast, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, or you can just go to our website at JudgeCast.com where our entire archive is, as well as a Learn to Judge section. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can uh, through email. Our email is JudgeCast at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Facebook at Facebook.com slash JudgeCast. You could like our page there, or you could follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash JudgeCast. Other than that, I would just like to thank you again for listening. Thank all of my hosts and especially Eric for being on board and say that I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. And I'm Brogan King and I keep it fun.
I'm Brian Prillman, and I'm the plucky comic relief in the Pixar in the new Pixar movie Turbo Town. It's a, a village about slugs. <laughs>